From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, CMV endotheliitis. The issue is, is that if you treat these patients with steroids, they're going to get worse. First this. Want to learn about macra, MIPS, and running an excellent and efficient ophthalmology practice? You'll love iTalks Radio, the official podcast of the American Society of Ophthalmic Administrators. Let's get right down to the basics of MACRA. For those of you who are not familiar with this law, what is MACRA? MACRA does stand for the Medicare Access and CHIP Reauthorization Act. iTalks Radio brings to ASCRS members, ASOA members, and even non-members practical information on human resources, government regulatory compliance, middle management, and productivity. Indulge at italksradio.org. That's E-Y-E-T-A-L-K-S radio.org. Italks Radio, the yang to my yin. When a patient presents to me with endotheliitis, I think herpes, HSV, HZV, I don't typically think of CMV, which I associate mainly with retinitis in immunodeficient patients. So it was a surprise to me when I spoke with Jad Mehta at the 2016 Asia Cornea meeting, the video interview of which is available on ewreplay.org. I thought the subject warranted a longer conversation, so I invited Jad to discuss two papers he's published on the subject of CMV endotheliitis. We're going to be discussing CMV endotheliitis, a a condition that I've never diagnosed. How does CMV endotheliitis typically present, and how does its presentation differ from herpetic endotheliitis? Initially, people used to think that it was probably a diagnosis of exclusion, and I I have to say, even with my experience having worked in the UK, I don't think I ever uh, saw a case that, that was properly diagnosed, or maybe I saw cases and we didn't realize it was basically CMV. Um, there, since I moved to Singapore, I see it much more frequently. Um, and th- there are sort of distinct differences or very few subtle clinical signs um, that you can see in CMV that we don't necessarily see in herpes uh, simplex endotheliitis. So the first thing is, is that herpes simplex frank endotheliitis with decompensation is not that common. I mean, we see mainly stromal disease and epithelial disease, but the CMV specifically attacks the endothelium. So you, you have a higher rate of suspicion now when I see cases that have frank endothelial disease in a phakic, especially a phakic situation uh, when the cornea, when the cornea is uh, decompensated. Um, on the endothelium itself, often we can see, obviously when they have frank decompensation, you've got your classical corneal edema and folds, but often they have uh, fine to medium-sized KPs, um, but these often have a ring or a linear-shaped kind of pattern, and people typically describe what they call like a coin shape. So you see these small KPs, and when you sort of zoom out a little bit, you can actually see they look like little, um, I don't know what the U.S. equivalent will be, but some like a cent piece or something, and they look like little round coins of, of different sizes, but they form this sort of round shape. And these are often uh, pigmented. You can get some unpigmented, but often they're actually pigmented. Later on, of course, there may be a bit of anterior chamber activity. But interestingly, it can be associated with high intraocular pressure. So some cases of Fuchs heterochromic iridocytitis actually being now reclassified as uh, CMV endotheliitis. Now, you mentioned that, that, that you're seeing or, or that you're diagnosing more cases of CMV 
Enthusiasts, now that you're in Singapore, are, are, are there parts of the world where CMV endotheliitis is particularly prevalent, or is it just being diagnosed more in some places than others? Yeah, I think that I think that your first point is correct. I think that parts of the world where it's slightly it's higher, it's more common. Uh, if you look at CMV blood serology, the CMV rates of positivity are higher in Asia compared to the West. Um, as we all get older our CMV positivity rate in our blood actually basically goes up. But of course, we know that we don't go ill from basically CMV. Um, but it seems to be slightly more common, or this anterior segment information seems to be more common in people of Asian descendancy, and probably more Southeast Asian and North Asian, sort of China, Japan, Taiwan, uh, Korea, Singapore, uh, down all the, that part of Asia, as opposed to India. But there are reports now coming out from India. And in fact, uh, a few years ago at Arvo, I saw reports of um, Vietnamese people who were living in France uh, presenting with CMV endothelitis. Judd, when I was a, a resident in the first years of the HIV crisis, we saw a lot of patients with CMV retinitis. Now, these were, of course, in immunocompromised patients. Is this also true of CMV endotheliitis, or do you primarily see this in immunocompetent patients? Yeah, so this is, this is a big distinction between the two conditions. Um, anterior segment CMV or CMV endotheliitis, we see in immunocompetent patients, but they've often had something to make them locally immunocompromised. And when I mean something locally, something like even a dose of topical steroids, um, to make them locally, so obviously typically for surgeons like me and you are following a corneal transplantation, but you can even get this after a reactivation after cataract surgery um, where they can get a reactivation on a CMV. And more recently, we reported a case of a patient who had a reactivation of a CMV, or he didn't even know he had CMV, but had an activation of CMV after having LASIK. And we know for LASIK, most people only use uh, steroids for a week, but that local immunocompromisation actually activated his CMV. Do, do you have any sense of how common CMV endotheliitis is in um, the, the Southeast Asian population? Um, I mean, I, I don't think, I, I, we don't have any sort of like specific uh, figures, but I have, I have to say a lot of it is a little bit more uh, pattern recognition, and the more suspicious I've, I've become, the more I've started looking for this and tapping a lot more patients um, than we basically did, than I used to do before. When we, 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 when we looked at a series of cases of patients who we thought had suspicious endotheliitis, it approximately accounted for almost about 5 to 8% of all the transplants that I was basically doing every year were actually coming back as CMV positive. Judd, your study dealt with the emergence of CMV endotheliitis in the context of DCX surgery. Can I get you to describe yeah. the design of your study, of this study? Yeah, so we, we, we did uh, two things. The first, the first, one, uh, first paper um, that came out was just really a um, smaller sort of series that we published in ophthalmology back in 2009. And that was just sort of like we had a few cases of patients who had unexplained um, endothelial cell loss about maybe about seven to one year after their uh, EK surgery. And they decompensated. We actually, you know, so again, as most people would have thought, could have been, could have been rejection. And we started picking up basically CMV from these eyes. And instead of treating them with uh, topical steroids, as most people would do for rejection, we actually started with treating with them some anti-CMV uh, treatment. And we noticed that this was actually masquerading as, as uh, basically graft rejection. And the issue is, is that if you treat these patients with steroids, they're going to get worse. So 
uh, initially we would have put this down as basically just being uh, graft rejection, giving steroids, unable to respond, and you know the graft has gone into failure. But in fact, these were CMV cases. So that was the first series. That was a small uh, case series, and, and it was a suspicion of unexplained cell loss after generally a routine uh, uh, DSEC procedure, and suddenly they had cell loss. Instead of getting a mean level of a six months of about 25 to 30%, these guys were dropping down to by about 60% to 70% by six months. So we thought, well, you know, something was suspicious, um, you know, what's going on with these cases, and they actually had CMV. Um, that sort of stimulated a second uh, study where we looked at this in a little bit more detail, and what we did was is that we looked at 32 cases of patients who had decompensation related to viral endotheliitis, and this was pre-diagnosed endotheliitis um, basically on PCR. So we normally do uh, PCR with basically tetraplex uh, screening, and what, that, what tetraplex will do is, is test for herpes simplex, VZV, CMV, and toxoplasma. And then if the CMV is positive, they will they basically go on to RT-PCR to give you a quantification of the uh, CMV by giving you what they call a copy number. And that tells you basically how many CMV particles or CMV viruses are active in the eye itself. And we use the copy number to slightly to judge our treatment dose. So with this information on uh, the 32 cases, uh, we had five cases that were basically positive for CMV before surgery. And what our treatment regime is normally using oral and topical uh, valgancyclovir preoperatively, and we normally keep them on the dosing for this for three months, um, retap them again to make sure it's negative before we proceed to basically undergoing uh, surgery. We then basically did the surgery on those cases and basically all the other 32 cases, and we basically followed them up. And what we found was is that if you had a recurrence of inflammation within the first 12 months following your uh, EK surgery uh, in patients that had endotheliitis, there was a 60% chance this was a CMV reactivation and not graft rejection. Huh. Uh, and that what that and what that told us was is that you need to treat these patients with CMV prophylaxis medication, which is your oral vanguard and topical vanguard and not increase the steroids. Now, Judd, in, in, the, in the same way that you mentioned that the PCR testing demonstrated the, the presence and you were able to quantify um, yep. uh, the cytomegalovirus, I, did, what, what did the, the, the screening show in terms of the presence of herpes simplex, herpes zoster? So these, these were all negative. So the Tetraplex will screen for those, uh, those viruses and they were all negative. So the only thing that came out positive was CMV. The, the cases of CMV endotheliitis that you describe in these studies were in quiet eyes. Can CMV also produce an, an anterior uveitis? And absolutely. So you can get cases. So often you, what, what some, another presentation scenario is a sort of disjointing effect of very little inflammation in the anterior chamber, but often a pressure of maybe in the 30s to 35. And when you look at the AC, it can actually be very, very subtle. You don't have very much inflammation. But interestingly, the KPs seem to be more prominent. So as opposed to sort of anterior segment uveitis or iritis syndromes where we see, you know, quite a lot of AC cells, and then you get like, you know, the, the classical KPs here, you can actually have more of these KPs, even though they're fine and in these coin-shaped lesions, but the AC activity can actually be very mild. And often, you know, especially in the presence of edema, it can actually be very difficult to actually see it. Judd, here's a, a, a harder question. Is it your sense that the primary risk factor for CMV endotheliitis in these patients was the event of the surgery or the, the 
uh, post-operative regimen with, with, with steroids producing the local immunosuppression? I think it's the, I think it's the, um, it's the, probably the, ste- the steroid regime because in the, I mean, these, obviously, you know, EK surgery is a little bit more complex because obviously a lot of times we do PIs and taking cataract out and things as well. But the fact that we see it in other scenarios, like with, I, I mean, I've seen it activated in cases of routine cataract surgery. And also now we have that case that uh, recently, that, uh, from last year, that we've treated with polymer LASIK. I think it's, it's got to be the uh, routine, uh, it's got to be the use of the steroid. We know that the CMV can harbor uh, in the iris and in the keratocytes. So one of the things that we had uh, we published recently was we had this idea that maybe when you do EK, whether it's DSEC or DMEC, um, you, 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 when you strip off the decimage, we send that to histology to see whether we can actually find the CMV in the endothelial cells. So we sent about 50 samples to, to the pathologist, and every single sample came back as negative. So we were like, and these are on cases that had, uh, and, and a lot of these cases actually had PCR CMV positive. So we were like, hang on, what's, what's, why is this happening? How can it be negative? And what we were then based, what we worked out was, is that in fact, the CMV, after it kills the endothelium, you see, it jumps and resides in the keratocytes. So it's actually sitting in the keratocytes there, remaining dormant. And I think that's why in DSEC, we, we saw the reactivation, because they're sitting in the keratocytes, not in the endothelium that we removed during the surgery. ACAID is the immune deviation, the immunomodulation yeah. that allows eyes to tolerate grafts. Do you think that the presence of ACAID is providing a milieu that's beneficial to the CMV uh, for infection? Yeah, I think maybe arcade will sort of like, maybe it, it sort of allows it to basically activate in that local situation because none of these patients um, have developed um, CMV, CMV retinitis. They, everything has been localized to the anterior chamber. And maybe by having a dampening down effect, it's allowing it to sort of like um, the virus to proliferate and then hide in different areas in the reservoirs in, in, in the anterior chamber. And, you know, a combination of the arcade effect has basically dampened down the immune response and you have the steroids on top of that to dampen it down even more. Since CMV is, is so very, very common, is it even worthwhile to consider graft screening for CMV? Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, we, 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 we did think about that, basically, because, of course, you know, for organ, solid organs and stuff, they, they give CMV prophylaxis uh, for, their, um, for solid organ transplantation now, and they all have to take oral vancomycin. In fact, we, we did test. Uh, um, about 50 donors uh, corneal sclerorims after the patients had undergone transplantation. And uh, bearing in mind, 50% of our donors come from the U.S. and 50% are from local uh, sources here in Singapore. Um, and in fact, we couldn't find any CMV in any of the donor tissue at all, um, which then led us to believe that actually um, everything is coming from the individual patient and it's a reactivation of the in-situ CMV as opposed to uh, something that's being transferred at the time of donor. But we did, you know, I think that's a very important question that you asked, and we did worry about that, that we thought, God, are we giving the CMV to the patients by doing the transplant? Judd, have the findings of these two papers influenced your evaluation of patients presenting with endotheliitis? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I have a greater rate of suspicion, especially, so there, there's groups of patients that I really... I uh, think a little bit more when I see, so for example, if I see a fakic individual with corneal decompensation 
even if you can't see any KPs there, I will routinely tap them um, before undergoing surgery. Anyone that you know had a routine cataract surgery, you know, if I know the surgeon, they give it, you know, a, a good letter saying, you know, the procedure was routine, finished in this time, but the cornea just decompensated afterwards. Again, I'm thinking, okay, could this be CMB? Of course, any of the anyone with frank endothelial inflammation or, or any of those very subtle signs that we look for. Sometimes that they have this like nodular lesion that actually can be mistaken for PPCD as well. Um, again. I will tap them. I tap them routinely preoperatively to make sure that they're negative, and I will tap them again on table as well while I'm doing the procedure. As far as management goes, I started slightly, slightly, slightly changing my approach with these cases. The cases that are having cataract surgery, I'll normally give them only steroids for one week, and I'll switch them onto non-steroidals very, very early, and I will control the inflammation with non-steroidals. And sticking with that regime, I haven't had touch wood anyone uh, getting frank corner of decompensation. For EK surgery, if the view allows and it's not so bad, I prefer now to do DMEC instead of doing DSEC in these situations because I think that with DMEC, it will allow me to reduce the topical sterile regime faster and I can supplement it with non-steroidals and it allows me to get them off that dosing of the steroid, even though I appreciate with DSEC it's still better than what we used to give for PK, but I think that going one step further, I try to do DMEC on these situations rather than doing um, uh, DSEC. Um, and we give them three months oral prophylaxis uh, medication with valgancyclovir, and of course you need to do the, uh, the systemic medication, uh, systemic uh, blood workup uh, beforehand, and also afterwards, and to monitor them. And normally, after three months, I normally stop the oral medication. I uh, stop the oral medication, and then we just keep them on topical vergan, which is a lot cheaper for the patients. And we watch them, especially for that first year, very closely. Judd, this is really, really cool stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely grateful uh, that, that, that you've uh, been so, so generous with your time to- talking about this with us. Um, Judd, I just want to thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Thanks very much. John Birmeta is Associate Professor and Head of Cornea and External Disease and Senior Consultant in Refractive Surgery at the Singapore National Eye Center in Singapore. His paper, Outcomes of Corneal Transplant Surgery for Irreversible Corneal Decompensation Secondary to Corneal Endotheliitis in Asian Eyes, appears in the 2013 issue of the American Journal of Ophthalmology. The other paper we discussed, Cytomegaloendotheliitis in Decimase Stripping Endothelial Keratoplasty, appears in the April 2009 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Mehta or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.